0: Well, good morning. Have you ever been afraid? Simple question, we all have. Have you ever been so afraid that you had trouble eating or sleeping that it affected your your physical health? There's uh, three responses to fear in psychology, and uh, we've seen it in law enforcement and in the firefighting service firsthand. And that those, these three responses are fright, you're afraid, so you're scared stiff, fright, flight, you take off running, or the last one is to fight. As I said, we see this in law enforcement on a daily basis. Uh, A traumatic incident happens right in front of you, and you have one of these three reactions. You either are scared stiff, and you can't move, or there's a more common response, and that is flight. You just, you take off running. And perhaps the most uncommon is to stand and fight. Paul wrote the letter this letter to the Thessalonians, the second letter, to encourage them to stand and fight. They had been shaken by some false doctrine, some false teaching. Um, They had been persecuted on all angles. And at this point, they were afraid. They were afraid that, as we've heard about in the past few weeks, that the Lord had already come. They were afraid that uh, the per- persecution was just too much to bear, and this was affecting their testimony. So Paul writes a letter to encourage them to correct this teaching, and I encourage all of you, if you, if you haven't been here in the last few weeks, to go back and to listen to the messages that Mark and Justin gave on chapters 1 and 2. They're very in-depth, um, and this morning we're going to simply just go over where we've come from. And that'll help us get into the mindset of chapter three. Um, Paul opens up this letter as he did in the first letter by encouraging them. Um, if you open your Bibles to First Thessalonians, and we'll just glance at some verses, we're not going to get into them. We're just going to look at them. But if you look at first, or sec- correction, second Thessalonians, chapter one and verse three, it says, "We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. In the midst of these persecutions that we're going to talk about in a few minutes, in the midst of this false doctrine, this false teaching, their faith continue to grow. Now, we've, we've done a lot of background, so we're not going to go over this, but we've got to keep in mind that this is a very young church. These are, these are infant baby Christians um, that Paul is writing to, and he's encouraged because their faith is continuing to grow, he he goes on to say that your love for everyone abounds. It's growing. It's getting better. Um, if you'll if you'll turn quickly back to chapter or uh, the first letter, in uh, the first letter in chapter one, he opens it in a similar way. In verse two, he says, "We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work." Of faith your labor of love and patience of hope again Paul in the midst of all these things that this church is facing he's encouraged and he's trying to relay this encouragement to the Saints he goes on back in chapter uh, 1 of 2nd Thessalonians he goes on to say that that we ourselves boast of you among all the churches of God for your patience and your faith in all your persecutions, tribulations that you endure. Paul was proud of how this church was handling the situation that they were in. He was boasting of their faith. Um, And as I was considering and thinking and looking back into what type of persecutions would they have been suffering, um, when we hear the word persecution, we kind of... It doesn't really affect us as it would them Um, for us persecution is I didn't get that promotion because I'm an outspoken Christian and I refuse to work on Sundays or um, I was excommunicated from a group of friends because now I am an outspoken Christian and they don't want to spend time with me or our names could be dragged through the mud and and even in the state in in the states now um, we see that um, open-air evangelists are facing different types of persecutions, protests, spittings, things of that nature. But in America, we still have the freedom of speech. We still have a First Amendment right, and we, can, um, and we, and we stand on the, these things to preach the gospel. The persecution that this church would have been facing was far worse. The persecution that the Thessalonians would have, would have been facing is what is taking place overseas. Um, if you guys have haven't bought this yet, I encourage you all to buy um, or, or look up the, box, uh, the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Um, it's not a bedtime read. Um, it really isn't. It's very gruesome um, and it's horrific to, to hear the accounts of what the early church and the church through the ages have gone through. One snippet that I, that I found this last week as I was looking back and you'll you'll be reminded that all the apostles were martyred. Um, except for John, who was tarred and feathered and, and, and uh, put on uh, an island by himself. But everybody else was either crucified, some were crucified upside down, um, beheaded, um, stoned, um, and, and the list goes on. But <clears throat> what this church would have been facing, and, and under various evil Roman dictators and evil men that were that would put in place by Satan to persecute the church... Uh, many Christians were um, dipped in wax and then lit on fire and set in gardens to, to keep the gardens lit. Um, one story that I found in particular was a, a it was a Roman lady and her family. This was a Roman lady. Her name was Felicitatus. Um, she was a Roman lady, and she had seven boys that she reared and grew up, and um, they were all saved. And she was an outspoken Christian. And, um, and she was a, a devout Christian woman. Because of this, she was persecuted. Her oldest son, Genarius, was scourged and pressed to death between two heavyweights. Felix and Philip, her next two, um, had their heads beaten in with clubs. And the um, fourth Sil- was thrown off of a tall precipice. And then the last three were beheaded with a sword. And that same sword was used to behead Felicitatus, the mother. This is the persecution that this church would have been going through. Um, to, to come into meeting on a Sunday or to gather together and, and ask, where is so and so? And to find out that they had been martyred, they had been killed. Um, this is the devastation. This is, this is what is going and ripping through the hearts of these, these the, the church here. And Paul is still able to say that you have patience and you have faith and your love is growing and abounding more and more. <clears throat> the worry in, um, in this church was that because the persecution was so great and so intense, that they thought for sure that the rapture had already taken place and that they had missed it. Um, In fact, this is what was being um, told to them by false teachers and and false doctrine. They were receiving letters in the name of Paul that said, you missed the boat, Christ had already come, and you're in the tribulation. Um, This is devastating. Imagine thinking that we're already in the tribulation and and I missed it. Um, Paul, Paul writes this letter to encourage them and to show them that that is not the case and to correct this false teaching. He goes on in verse 5 um, to, to, to say that, this, that the way that you're handling these persecutions, your faith, your patience, is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Now, the, the second that they were saved, they were worthy of heaven. Not by works that they have done, but because of Jesus Christ. They were worthy of heaven. But because of their suffering for Christ, they were worthy of a, of a place of honor, a martyr's crown in heaven. Um, and how we spend our time here on earth um, will determine the riches and the glory that we receive in heaven and the, the reward that we see, we receive in heaven, uh, worthy to reign with Christ um, because of their suffering. Bill McDonald says um, that, that our lifetime is training time for reigning time. Our lifetime is training time for reigning time. And how we live our lives here on this earth until the moment that we're taken home matters in eternity. Um, uh, Francis Chan had a very vivid illustration that he gave in a message, and he had a very long rope, um, super long, 100 feet, white rope, and he taped off about three inches in red. Okay, And that red tape, he said, represented your life on Earth, whatever that looked like. It could be 10 years, it could be 20 years, it could be 80 years, it could be 90 years. But that red tape represented your life. The white, the rest of the white rope, represented eternity. And obviously, it would go on forever. But he said that what you do during this red tape affects the rest of that white rope. What we do here matters. How we respond to persecution matters. How we live our life here in this earth matters for eternity. Um, Paul writes this to encourage them. To continue to go on um, he corrects this idea of the second coming and 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 his encouragement is that rest is coming rest is coming there there there's hope there is light at the end of this tunnel um, there not only is rest coming for you but there's going to be punishment for those that have dealt this this this, this persecution out to you and that's found in verse 9 and we will we'll quickly go through this um, Paul prays for them Um, Paul prays that the the name of Christ would be glorified and continue to be glorified in them in in, in verse 12. And so the biggest takeaways that we have in chapter 1 is that rest is coming for the believer and that recompense or wrath is coming for the unbeliever or the persecutor. He goes goes on to go into detail about this correction of this false teaching that the, the, the rapture had already taken place. And... He reminds them that um, of of the things that need to take place prior to or after um, the rapture is going to happen. Um, The return of Christ should be or has been and always should be an encouragement to the believers. Um, We should be looking forward to it with anticipation, um, to watch and to pray, um, to, to, to spend each day Thinking about the Lord's return I remember um, uh, our brother Don Thompson and he would every year I think he would take the the January 1st or the the New Year's Eve message and I think every year he preached on the reasons why he felt that the Lord was going to come this year Um, and it it was such an encouragement to think about the fact that he could he could come back in 2002 or whatever Um, and now we're in 2019 and we should still anticipate the lord's return um, but the problem was that the false teaching was that the that christ had already come um, letters were being sent out and um, messages were being given to the church that christ had already come um, and and we'll you'll we'll be reminded and again think look back at justin's message and listen to it um, but there's a two-pronged test uh, that needed to take place uh, prior to this this second coming and it was a complete falling away uh, and this is found for us in chapter two um, a falling away or a complete apostasy uh, in in the world, those who claim to be Christ will completely reject Christ and turn their back on him and uh, as we see today, that's not taking place. That hasn't happened. Uh, many believe that uh, that the that there is no millennial reign of Christ, it's called all millennialism, and that um, we're in it right now. This is it, we're in the millennial reign right now. Um, The problem with this is that uh, there hasn't been a following way. The church is still growing at a rapid rate around the world. It doesn't look like that here in the States, but if you you look in uh, Latin America, and in Africa, and in China, the church is booming. Um, They say that, this was by 2017, that um, the Church in Latin America and Africa would have superseded the numbers of the Church in Europe, um, which a few years ago, a hundred years ago, would have been unheard of. Um, the next thing was that the man of sin would be revealed. Many have suggested, well, this was accomplished when Nero or Hitler or Mussolini came into to reign, um, and they suggest that this, again, has already happened. Um, And Mark had a a great point that he he brought up, um, and and some questions that you just have to ask when these things are brought up. So if if Nero, Hitler, and Mussolini, all these men, were the the Antichrist or the man of sin that was revealed, when did they sit in the temple? And then um, when was the restrainer or the Holy Spirit taken away from the world? And when, um, uh, when did Christ come and consume the Antichrist with his glory? Um, none of these things have taken place. These are all future events, and Paul's reminding them that none of this is happening yet. Don't worry. Remember the teaching that I taught you when I was with you, that these are the things that have to take place, um, and none of them have happened um, yet. Um, many people uh, are caught up in, in the current events of the day. Um, they, we, we look at Israel. We look at Iran. We look at all these things, and, and men that are very... Uh, uh, very good in apologetics and and study the Bible uh, thoroughly um, like to make these current events fit into scripture and it 's important we are to, to, to be wise and to, to know what 's going on across across the globe, um, but we shouldn 't be looking for the man of sin we should be looking for Christ we should be waiting for his return, not the man of sin to be revealed and and that is the anticipation that we should have. we should be waiting for Christ Um, um, and then Paul closes this chapter uh, well he encourages that in in, in chapter 2 at the end he encourages them to stand fast stay strong and to hold on to the teachings that I've taught you thus far um, and the the teachings of the apostles and he closes with a prayer reminding them of God's love and hope and this is a this is important because this is going to transition very well into chapter 3 um, to be reminded of God's love and hope, <clears throat> and to to have comforted hearts, and to that God would establish the word and the work in their lives. Um, so the bigger take, the biggest takeaways from chapter two is to watch and pray for the Lord's return, um, not for uh, the man of sin, and to stand fast and to hold on to to the doctrine, to the teaching that that has been given you. So now we're going to jump into and look at uh, chapter three, and we'll just we'll read it now. Second Thessalonians chapter three. Finally, brethren, pray for us, that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified, just as it is with you, and that He may be delivered, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. But we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord uh, Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the traditions which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but we worked with labor and toil day and night, that we might not be a burden to any of you, not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, We commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. We hear that there are some among you who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such we command and exhort through the Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. But if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul, with uh, the, the salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is a sign in every epistle, so I write, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So in chapter 3, uh, he, he is closing the letter and he's wrapping thing, things up and he's addressing uh, another issue that was taking place in the assembly. But as he opens his closing, uh, we see a very powerful portion, verses 1 through 5. Um, And so that, for the remainder of our time this morning, is what we're going to be looking at, verses 1 through 5. Um, Paul makes a request for prayer in this portion. Um, Then in uh, verses 6 through 15, he gives uh, commands and directions on how to deal with some issues that were happening in the assembly. And then in uh, the final verses, 16 through 18, he closes with a word of encouragement and prayer. Um, so the outline this morning, as we look verses 1 through 5, is um, there's, there's five points. Um, prayerfulness, preservation, protection, perseverance, and patience. Um, they say that a, a speaker that um, uses alliteration, and it's always with the letter P, they call them P-shooters. So I guess you guys can call me a P-shooter today. Um, prayerfulness, preservation, protection, perseverance, and patience. Paul opens uh, with prayerfulness. Paul, the apostle Paul, the writer of the letter, asks for prayer. He asks for prayer. The, uh, the Thessalonians would have been uh, very aware of the persecution that Paul was experiencing. Um, if you'll look back, and again, we're not going to take the time to do so, but I encourage you to go back to look at Acts chapter 17. Um, this is when Paul is chased out of Thessalonica by, uh, by the Jews and by the, the angry mob. Um, you'll remember that they, um, they uh, serve a search warrant on Jason's house looking for Paul. Um, Paul's not there, um, and then he, he flees to Berea. In Berea, they, this same group, this angry mob, chases him to Berea and then chases him out of Berea. So Paul definitely had experienced his fair share of persecution. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, asks for prayer. If Paul, one of the world's greatest missionaries, teachers, and preachers can ask for prayer, um, we can ask for prayer too. Um, and it and it got me thinking, uh, and this is coming uh, from an elder, um, still in, in in my rookie season. But um, I ask you on behalf of the elders to pre- please pray for us. Um, it's it's a hard it's a hard job um, in law enforcement and in the fire service. The only time, and and I guess in the hospital service too, but the only time people call you is when. There's a problem. Um, you're always responding to people's problems. Um, even on a good day, you're still handling people's problems. And uh, as an elder, uh, that doesn't change. Um, they're, they're spiritual problems, and and they're they're worse. Um, they're they're weightier. Um, you know, uh, you, we're supposed to love people, uh, love everybody, and, and and we try to in our best. Um, but. I'm not as close to the people in Los Angeles as I am to you, you know. Um, so when we hear that you're hurting or there's a problem, it's hard. It's hard to deal with. Um, and Paul, Paul here asks for the church, uh, to, to, to the church at Thessalonica, to pray for him, pray for his team uh, that is laboring in the gospel Um, so the, 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 um, the thought or the reminder is to pray, to pray for those uh, that are leading, uh, pray for those that are working. Um, we need to pray for the missionaries. Um, there's a lot of us that are going through a hard time physically, um, spiritually, emotionally. Um, and, and oftentimes those that are in our sight are the ones that we pray for. We don't see so-and-so in the meeting, and we're worried about them. The problem with that is the, the ones that aren't in our meeting, the missionaries, those that are overseas serving, um, they oftentimes get neglected. Um, there's a missionary prayer handbook that that we have um, that it's a great encouragement to pray for the missionaries. Um, there's one that you can pray for for every single day. Pray for the work that's going on out on the street, out in the open air. You think of what Chris Schroeder is doing. You think of what our brother Russ is doing. Um, We need to pray for these uh, workers. Um, Pray for Dorothy. And not just an empty prayer. Um, Paul is very specific here. He says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified. Uh, I'm sure he had his issues. I'm sure he had his physical disabilities. I'm sure he had needs and wants and concerns. But what does Paul request prayer for? That the gospel will go out. That it would go out quickly. This idea of, of, of spreading widely like a, like a fire. This, is, this was Paul's prayer. That, that the word of the Lord would go out quickly. Um, and that the word of the Lord would be glorified. Um, that it would be lifted up. Um, if, we, if we spent more time praying for one another... Um, it'd be a lot harder for us to criticize each other. Um, one has said um, it, it's easy to criticize, but it's hard to pray. Um, if, if, you, if you think about a preacher, uh, and, and, and it, it's easy to you know have roast preacher every Sunday um, after, during lunchtime. Um, if the preacher preaches on sin too much, he's a legalist. Uh, if, if he preaches on comfort too much, he's a softy. Um, if he preaches the gospel too much, he neglects the saints. And if he preaches to Christians, he's not sticking to the gospel. Um, it's easy for us to criticize. Um, Ironside says, when we are bearing up God's servants in prayer, the spirit of criticism gives way to one of loving helpfulness. Um, so two, two requests that Paul makes here. Um, I'm sorry, three. The spread of the gospel, that it would go out quickly, that it wouldn't be hindered, that it would triumph, the message would triumph, and Christ would be glorified. Um, and that prayers needed to prepare the hearts of the people that are hearing the message. Um, we had a week of, of VBS, and there was prayer going on for that week, and we saw a boy come to Christ. Um, we had prayer for uh, camp, kids' camp, and, um, well, first of all, we had prayer for girls camp. And I believe the number was 20 um, girls came to Christ. Um, kids camp, we saw 14 boys or boys and girls come to Christ. Um, there's still camps to come. There's still camps going on. There's still VBSs going on. Um, and we need to pray that the Lord would prepare the hearts of these, these people to hear the gospel. And Paul's third prayer request is found in in verse 2. Found in verse 2, he prays that the gospel go out, um, that it would be, that be triumphant. And then he says that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. And this is our next P. Uh, the first one is prayerfulness. This one would be preservation. Preservation, delivered from unwe- uh, unreasonable and wicked men. Um, Paul was chased out of Thessalonica um, by wicked men. Uh, men who rejected the gospel, who hated Christ, and wanted Paul out—this um, was this was who was chasing him. They chased him all the way to Berea, um, and then. Um, but what's interesting is, even though these wicked, unreasonable men were doing these things, there was a church planted in Thessalonica. There was a church planted in Berea, and then Paul, even in Corinth, is able to write this letter to encourage the saints from afar. Um, these unreasonable men, men who had heard the gospel, they observed the testimony of Paul. They saw Paul, they saw the change in Paul's life, they saw his good works, they saw the miracles, and yet they still rejected Christ. Unreasonable men. Um, Isaiah 1:18 says, and and, and and God is not unreasonable. He actually is very reasonable, and he wants you to think, he wants you to meditate on the gospel. Um, the problem is that when we set up our walls, we set up our um, our defense mechanisms, we become unreasonable. Um, Isaiah 118 says, Come now, let us reason together, you and I, thus saith the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, yet they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be white as wool. Um, God wants us to, to, to reason with him, to think with him. Um, he allows uh, jacob to wrestle with him like he, he wants this um, because he wants it us to come to that knowledge on our own um, in 1 corinthians 10 15 um, paul writes to the corinthians and, and he's asking them and he says i speak to you as wise men judge for yourselves what i say think about what i say um, the bereans they took the gospel in and they said okay we're gonna go check the scriptures we're gonna go look and see if what you're saying is true Um, be reasonable that is what god is asking god is not unreasonable he wants us to meditate and um, on what he shows us and so paul asks for deliverance from these unreasonable and wicked men these men that were hindering the work of the gospel um, that they were slowing it down um the next one and, and we'll move rather quickly is protection protection. In verse, in verse 3, Paul says, but the Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Um, when we have problems in our, in our life, when, when again the, the persecution is hard, when the tribulations are mounting, um, it's hard for us to see anything good in this. Um, what, what good can come of this? This is what we have here. God is faithful. He's faithful despite our faithfulness, our faithlessness. Um, he is faithful um, to the end, and it's he who will establish you and keep you and protect you from the evil one. Um, this word establish means to cause someone to become stronger in the sense that they are more firm. To cause someone to be stronger in the sense they are more firm, God is faithful and He will cause you to be stronger and more firm in the light of these um, these persecutions, in the light of this this hard time, um, and it's an unchanging attitude or belief, an unchanging attitude or belief, um, this establishment of God, and it's. Um, the, the next word is that he will guard you. Again, he's keeping you from this evil one that we'll talk about in a second. But it says he will guard you, and it's it's to to hold someone in close custody. Um, you think of a, of a parent watching their kid swim in a pool. Um, you know, sometimes when it's not your kid, you you know you're concerned, but you're not that concerned. But when it's your kid, you're 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 like a hawk, and you're watching them and making sure that that they're okay. Um, This is the same idea, to guard, to hold someone in close custody, um, and to keep watch over. This is who God is. God is faithful. He is the one that is guarding you. He is the one that is keeping watch over you. Um, This is the God who is the almighty God. He is all powerful. He is one that never sleeps, never slumbers. Um, There was a time when Tori was uh, very, very uh, sick. And she was very sick, and all the kids were very sick. I was fine. Um, As you know, mothers, they're awesome, they're amazing, and they're good. But she was at her breaking point. She was just so physically weak. She could not uh, watch the kids anymore. Sadie was sick, Drake was sick, um, and, and she was sick. And so she asked me, can you stay up and listen and watch for the kids? And I said, absolutely, no problem. Like, tap me in, I'm in. Um, I'm a very heavy sleeper, very heavy sleeper. So she she put me on Sadie duty, and I was supposed to watch Sadie, make sure Sadie was okay. Well, in the morning, um, she asked, how, how did Sadie do? I heard her crying and, and, and moaning all night long. I had no idea. Like, I was sound asleep the entire time. Um, I did not keep watch over Sadie. She was fine. She just was a little sick, but um, she was thrown up. But um, I was a bad... Watcher, uh, I couldn't wake up. The God who never sleeps, who never rests, he is the one that is watching over you. There's nothing, not a sparrow falls without God knowing, and he is the one who keeps you. Um, just as a reminder, John ten twenty-seven, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand thinking of this, this evil one who was trying to disrupt the work in this church, who was um, trying to, to drag these people um, into court, was, was trying to, to persecute them, was trying to, to, put a, to put water on this fire that was the church that was spreading. Christ says, You shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who gives them to me is greater than all. He's greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Nothing. Uh, there's nothing. God is faithful. In John 17, uh, Christ prays, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. This was Christ's prayer the night before he was crucified, that they would be kept safe from the evil one. This is Paul's prayer for the church that, and, and a reminder for them to them that The Lord is faithful, he will establish you, he will make you firm, and he will guard you from the evil one. Um, The next one, as we push forward in verse four, it says, we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things that we command you. Um, Confidence in the Lord concerning you. Notice, and and we we were kind of meditating on this portion up at camp, last week, notice that he doesn't say, I have confidence in you, I have confidence in you. Um, We put our confidence in people all the time. Sometimes they come through and sometimes they let us down. Um, I'm so glad that um, I've been given a plethora of chances because I've let so many people down. Uh, Missed appointments, missed meetings, missed calls, missed this, missed that. Um, I am a a letter letter downer. Um, Paul says, I have confidence in the Lord concerning you. These are blood-bought saints. These are Christians. And Paul's confidence is in the Lord concerning you. Um, We're going to fall. We're going to mess up. Um, you know in in discipleship and working with young people um, I was that young person that failed and fell short and and I I could we could spend all day talking about um, mistakes that I've made either in in, uh, especially in in the service of the Lord Um, and yet the people that were working with me had confidence in the Lord concerning me not confidence in David Um, Paul's confidence was in the Lord concerning these people and this is how we should act and behave towards one another that we should have confidence in the Lord concerning one another. Um, uh, um, It's easy to lose confidence in Christians Um, as as believers we often are distracted Uh, we get distracted by the things of this world Um, we chase dreams we chase goals um, we drift away. We fall away. Um, We were praying uh, a few Monday nights ago for the the people that we don't see anymore um, here, Uh, the people that we grew up with that no longer are here in our church physically or even in the church at all. Um, And uh, it's easy to lose confidence in Christians. Um, It's easy to write them off. It's easy to say, he's gone. We'll never see him again. She's gone. Uh, We'll we'll never hear. She's never coming back. Paul had confidence in the Lord, not the people. Um, And it says, and I want to read this verse: uh, Philippians 1:6. It's one we all know. Paul's confidence in the Lord—it was in the Lord, not the people—and he could write to the Philippians and say, "Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it." until the day of jesus christ christ will complete the work um, they may be gone they may be drifting away they may be chasing other things but paul's confidence was in the lord concerning these these men and these women and our confidence should be in the lord um, is god's arm short um, can he not bring these ones back um, we, we we often say this of of, of uh, those that are unsaved, you know, we, we say that there's no one that is too lost for God, right? Because we, I mean, we're reading a letter of a, of a, of a murderer, a Christian murderer, and, and he was saved and, and, and brought uh, and used greatly by God. But oftentimes when we think of Christians who have gone and wandered away or drifted away, um, we kind of write them off. Um, Paul's confidence was in the Lord concerning these people and that he was, he was, he was confident that the lord would complete the work uh, that he had started in him in them Um, the last thing and going back to our portion in second thessalonians is found in verse five Um, and we'll we'll open this up and and we'll actually talk about this a little bit tonight too um, because there's a lot in this verse Um, this was actually kind of our theme verse for uh, kids camp and um, it's it's a powerful one it says may the lord direct your hearts into the love of god and into the patience of christ Direct your hearts into the love of God and in the patience of Christ. Are you in need of more patience? Um, I certainly am. I am not a patient person at all. So the question is, how do you get more patience? Where does that come from? Um, If you pray for patience, uh, you have to be careful because the Lord might answer that prayer. Um, and he will test you and grow your patience. Um, Paul's prayer here is that the Lord would direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Um, this word direct means to guide the footsteps, um, to guide the footsteps into the love of God. Um, what does he mean here by the love of God? Does this mean that the the, the saints were to love God more or that perhaps they were, um, that God was to love them more? Um I think what Paul's trying to, to get oh, oh, the point the, the point that Paul's trying to make to the Thessalonians is to enjoy and experience the love of God more. Um, turn real quickly to Jude 21. And like I said, we'll we'll, we'll close quickly and, and we'll pick this up tonight. But Jude, you can any chapter you want. Jude 21, and it says. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Um, what does that mean? What, how does, that, what does that look like? Um, how can I keep myself in the love of God? Um, am I responsible for God's love? Um, well, you'll, you'll be reminded that God's love for you each and every one of you is an everlasting love, meaning it never began and it will never end. He has loved you and will love you for eternity. Um, And we will also be reminded that we love him only because he first loved us. it wasn't anything that we earned, that we did, that we tried hard. We love him because he first loved us. Our command here in Jude, the prayer that Paul has in Thessalonians, is to keep yourselves in the love of God. Um, what does that look like? Uh, I, it, was, it was actually expressed very vividly uh, for me in this, this um, illustration. Um, there's an illustration of a father and a son. And it's that time of year where everybody gets sick. It's cold. It's gloomy. It's, it's dark outside. And his son is, is really, really sick. And the doctor's orders were to keep him inside, keep him warm. Well, one day, um, the, the father looks out, and the sun is bright, and it's shining. And the doctor says, it's OK. Let him go outside. Um, and so the, the dad says, OK, son, you can go outside, but, but stay in the sunlight. Stay in the sunshine. And the son asks, how can I keep the sun shining? And the Father said, you don't have to worry about the sun. You just need to stay in the sunshine. Meaning that the sun is always going to be shining, but we need to stay in the sunshine. We need to keep ourselves in the sunshine. And this, is, this helped me understand this a lot better, that we need to keep ourselves in the love of God. How do we do that? Well, we do that by remembering the Lord once a week. By remembering his sacrifice, his death, his love. But... I beg you, don't let that this hour be the only hour that you remember God's love. Um, you need to remember that each and every day, um, every morning when you wake up, you should remember that today is the day that God loves me, that he loves me with an everlasting love, that he sent his son to die in my place so that I might forever be with him in, in glory. Um, and he loves me. And if you stay in that love, you'll have patience. You'll be able to deal with life's trials and tribulations and the persecutions and the bad phone calls and the good phone calls. You'll be able to deal with these things because God loves you. He really loves you. Uh, Enjoy his love. Rely on his love. Lean on it. Um, And this provides patience. Let's close in prayer. Dearly, Father, we're so, so grateful for your love, Um, a love that's everlasting, a love that, that, that never ends, a love that is powerful, a love that can save, that can lift up, that can encourage, that can comfort. And as we sang this morning, Father, how can we help but love you Uh, when you loved us so much. Uh, Lord, give us help to remember these things, uh, uh, to to keep pressing on, and Lord, to to enjoy uh, the sunshine of your love. Um, Lord, we pray now for the food. We ask, Lord, that you bless it to our bodies. We thank you for the graduates. Uh, We thank you for their their determination and their... um, they're the, finishing their schooling and father we pray for their future uh, we just commend them to you we commend our time to you and and just ask Lord that you would um that you would guard guide our thoughts um, as we as we fellowship together may our thoughts be on uh, centered and focused around your son and as we enjoy the food that you've provided uh, lord we ask your blessing on these things in Jesus name amen